Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Award podcast, where we look at everyone's favorite award show, the MTV Movie Awards, and all those fil- films that get nominated for them, and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Grigg, a foremost kissing expert. And today we're talking about Best Kiss 2010. How are you today, Ben? We're doing really well. Um, yeah, not much has been going on. I still haven't got a chance to watch uh, Chocola. I really want to, though. But these other movies have been kind of filling my time. But these other movies have been pretty good, though. You might have time for it next week when there's a double, when one movie gets nominated twice. So. Oh yeah, the, <laughs> the another another Twilight movie. <laughs> yeah, it's right. We're we're well into the year of Twilight, which is convenient for us since, like, I believe all or most of these episodes will be coming out in October. So. Yeah, spooky, spooky vampires and werewolves. Yeah, nothing spookier than Twilight's take on the vampires. So. <laughs> oh, man. Everyone loved how horror-focused that was. Just... I, oh man, I think last episode we did talk about, um, we talked about sort of how, like, it's kind of weird that, like, they're vampires, but, like, none of, like, the generic tropes about vampires are, like, implemented, and, like, the same thing goes for like I think almost all the werewolves in this movie too. Given I feel like the um the full moon thing is something I've seen subverted or at least like not ab- abided by like a lot before. Yeah, werewolves are a bit looser with like what the yeah. rules are. Yeah, they really only got the one rule and it's like the midnight one. I guess and like the silver bullet one. But um I also like oh man, so disappointing. I I don't like how they're just like dogs. I wish they were like actual like cool werewolves. Taken <laughs> they it really took the wear out of werewolves entirely. Yeah, I I could see that though. It's yeah, I I I I came around eventually on like Twilight's like this thing there of yeah people who can just turn into big wolves. But... Yeah, <laughs> it's just like uh, it just looks funny because they just kind of they just look like big dogs. Like, they don't even look like, uh, like, really, like, scary wolves. Like, they aren't, like, uh, they don't have, like, any exaggerated features. They kind of just look like scaled-up dogs. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty big. Like. They are oh, big, yeah. I yeah. Guess you, you said scaled-up. You gave it that. Yeah, exactly. But, like, uh, like, you see, like, sometimes even, um, like, wolves in, like, fiction would have, like, exaggerated parts. Like, a, like, sharper teeth mm-hmm. or, like, something like that. But, like, these ones are just, these are big dogs. Um. Yeah. Well, that's a realistic drama. <laughs> we'll get into it more in a little bit. Yeah, but for now, yeah, the 2010 MTV Movie Awards took place on June 6, 2010. They were hosted by Aziz Ansari. We're really getting into the thing where it's like, oh, you're an up-and-coming comedian? Like, come host the MTV Movie Awards. Just um, Apparently there is controversy for... Constantly using, using the term "fuck" and uh, derivatives of it by various presenters and actor Peter, I'm gonna butcher this, Fashionelli, who play, he he plays Carlisle in the Twilight movies and he accepted the best movie award. So, 
And because this was live, a number of like the F-bombs just weren't muted. So the Parents Television Council was really upset. (laughs) Oh, man. But, like, it's so weird because, like, I feel like this movie, um, I tried to find, because I think, I'm trying to remember which movie. I think I was a bit iffy on which uh, the proposal kiss we'd be doing. So I I tried really, really hard to find it. Um, But all I could find were these, like, Tropic Thunder skits that they did. So it's like, it's weird how, like, those are totally, those totally fly by, but, like, if someone says a swear word, they're all up in arms. Yeah, but, oh yeah, because Tom Cruise was just in character as his, like, Tropic Thunder guy, right? Like, that's... Yeah, and also, um, who was it? Yeah. Did Tom Cruise play, like, uh, like, the kind of, like, the, the kind of business guy near the beginning? Yeah, less, less gross. Yeah, exactly. No, he, I think they did, like, a couple of, like, skits with that. (laughs) Robert Downey Jr. didn't show up in character, did he? Just... <laughs> no. I think their skit, like, like required them doing, like, weird, like, publicity stunts film where, like, Jack Black wore, like, a big Kung Fu Panda head and, like, um, Robert Downey Jr. wore, like, a cheap Iron Man mask. And they would just, like, fight each other. It was just really, really silly. Um, but I never I never did end up, end up finding the whole show, so my, my question was left unanswered. Yeah, well, well. We'll figure it out. This isn't the first time we've had some ambiguity around one of the kisses. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Who prevent? Who presented best kiss this year? Bradley Cooper and Jessica Biel. Hmm. Uh, one of one of those uh, one of those actors will go on to win best kiss themselves in a couple of years. So. Oh wow! Between Rocket yeah. Raccoon and Drax. yeah but before bradley cooper was a sweetheart oh yeah this is just when his career is really taking off because of the hangover yeah he was in the he was in valentine's day right um is he on the plane everyone was in valentine's so many people we'll get into that later too so many people i think he was the guy on the plane i'm near sir oh yes yes he is Is right yeah he's he's the guy on the and he gets yeah a love like, story with Eric. I'm Dane, really really right. sorry, but like, I like some of these white guys look the same to me. I couldn't help it. Like the him on the plane, and also like the husband that was like cheating. I I got them confused so much. <laughs> Not like you, you confuse Bradley Cooper and Patrick Dempsey. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, but um yeah, this was a weird year um i definitely had to like kind of i think because i watched avatar like two weeks ago because i thought we were doing it in like a little bit of a different order so like that one's pretty far in my mind but i still remember a lot about it um this is just kind of like a weird year because it has like like a band movie um it's got like two two rom-coms uh like a pretty high budget 3d thing and then twilight like, it's definitely, yeah. like, I, man, so, what a weird batch of movies. Yeah, we are getting, like, full on now until I think, like, yeah, the modern sort of, all, all the, all, all, most of the MTV Movie Award nominees are, like, big blockbuster type stuff, like, yeah, Twilight, which also won Best Movie that year, um, and. Yeah, we're is, not gonna, see, also <laughs> we're not gonna see any more Bounds. Editor's note. I definitely meant to say bounce. It's a small distinction, 
but it matters to me. Yeah, <laughs> this is also interesting because um, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince came out in 2009 as well, and it's the one of the last four Harry Potter movies that doesn't get a Best Kiss nomination. Even though that is the one that's the most romance heavy, like. <laughs> oh, and I might have to. I might want to watch it so that I have a little more context for the next couple. Yeah, like literally all um, a big, a good chunk of the school stuff in like Half Blood Prince is. Oh, Harry has a crush on Ron's sister. Oh, Ron's dating like Lavender Brown, who's a minor character from like the books who was so like underused in the movies that they literally just like had to they actually had to cast an actress for someone who in the books has been around since like book one and then they're like oh yeah this is a new person here you go but but yeah weirdly that did not get a best kiss (laughs) and it's gonna be even funnier when you watch the (laughs) harry potter and the deathly hollows part one and find out exactly what that kiss is like i'm really excited for this oh my gosh yeah like oh like all of the movies this week were like pretty good um some of the kisses though were like questionable <laughs> yeah well i mean well whatever we do we can probably get into it so. yeah so twilight saga a new moon i think i have to announce the films were coming first <laughs> <Pens>. ah <laughs> So the nominees are, uh, no spoilers, it's just, forget you heard that, like, for all you know, Twilight didn't win this year. So, the nominees for Best Kiss 2010, Kristen Stewart and Dakota Fanning, The Runaways, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, The Proposal, Taylor Swift and Taylor Watner, Valentine's Day, Zoe Saldana and Sam Worthington, Avatar, and The Winner. Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, The Twilight Saga, New Moon. Now we can talk about Twilight. Yeah, um, I think I finally come around on enjoying these movies for what they are. Um, I think with Twilight, I think it was just overexposure. I think I don't think these are movies that I ever want to see twice, but I think watching them once is pretty fun. And I think Twilight had like the misfortune of like. Every time I watched it, it was never, like, in, like, a one-on-one environment. It was always, like, at a party or, like, on, like, a date or something. Like, but I think getting to sit down and just watch um, New Moon, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, it was really stupid. Um, and I loved those bits about it. Oh, yeah. Um, this is one of the... Yeah, I think I've... Yeah, I think I've mentioned the, like... I enjoy the first two Twilight films, and then the last Twilight film, and then the other two we'll talk about. Breaking Dawn Part 1 I can maybe come around on, it's just a lot of that one is um, Kristen Stewart being pregnant and miserable, which is a choice, but (laughs) yeah, this one is, this one is solid, like, not a lot happens in this movie, but like, it's pretty engaging, um, yeah. It's better lit. <laughs> yeah, it's like... that was one of my first notes about it. We're like, oh, there's actually like colors in this movie. That's awesome. Yeah, it has like fast motorcycle ones. Definitely a better kiss than the first Twilight. Like, oh, yeah, like this this kiss though was like really really good. Um, mm-hmm. it there's like um, what's like the name? Is it cryptology? 
cryptology, like the name for like the what is it called? Like Bigfoot and like the Loch Ness monster. Oh, what's this? Oh yeah, cryptozoology. Cryptozoology. So there's like a lot of like cryptozoological racism in this movie. I'm not sure if that gets expanded upon like later, but there's like a lot of animosity between like the vampires, and like the werewolves, um, and I think near, I think what finally kind of um, I think what turned me around in this movie because like there was a lot of like funny bits, uh, but I, I, there's not really a good reason why I found this so funny. But when um, near the end of the movie, when um, uh, Kirsten Stewart is like with one of like the vampires. And, like, she's telling him, like, oh, like, werewolves are bad. And then Taylor Lautner just comes in and just, I don't even remember what he says, but he just says something that's just is so stupid and he's shirtless and all of the werewolves are shirtless. It's, it's pretty shameless, honestly. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a funny thing where, like, the in-universe explanation for why Taylor Lautner has to be shirtless in these films it's because like they, it's because they get too hot. Yeah, but like <laughs> the scene where they're all like shirtless at like the dinner table, it looks like it's out of like a parody movie. Like it, it's, it just looks so silly looking. And I think this series might be a series that I end up enjoying if it's more silliness like that. Yeah, there's it's definitely some silliness and stuff. But yeah, they also follow up on the rivalry between like vampires and werewolves in other films because it is kind of a thing where there's animosity between them. But then sort of the backstory is uh, Jacob's tribe and Edward's like family have kind of a treaty where as where like they're at peace as long as the vampires aren't turning anybody, which is gonna be a plot point. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, but yeah, this movie definitely focuses a lot more on the werewolves that, like, it sort of touched on it a little bit in the first one. Well, yeah, because this film, of course, Edward winds up being sort of out of the picture for a lot of it. It's... Yeah, he's barely in it. Like, it's like, I don't understand. By this point, was there, like, a lot of, like, Team Jacob, Team Edward stuff going on? It's where it starts that makes, and then eclipses yeah. where it's like the focal point of the like marketing and the thing because like, like ah because like I, I man i'm not gonna pretend like the first twilight had like a great romance that was super like believable but like this one weirdly enough is like better and worse it's better in that, like, oh, you actually see them, like, doing things together and, like, laughing. Like, that's really important, I think. Um, but then it also has, like, Taylor Lautner, like, being, like, really possessive and, like, really, like, clingy. Not clingy, but, like, really inappropriate in, like, his, like, assertions. Um in terms yeah, of like um, Jacob yeah. sucks it's, yeah it's just so I, weird I, it's just like I do not know why I don't understand the people who are like team Jacob like, yeah and like I was trying to while I was watching it I was kind of thinking I was like man we in this throughout this list of kisses all these movies we've gotten some like pretty good representation of like graceful rejections 
or like really healthy ways of processing that whether it's in like high school musical three or like enchanted like um like letting like the one guy like kind of stepping aside to like let the other guy kiss um like i think we but this is like the first one where like oh my gosh this is just awful and it's like there's like one line by bella that like sort of is enabling him like at the movies i feel like she says something to the effect of like no i want you to keep like or like i want this to keep happening but like that's way beyond that point does he continue to like do stuff and like try and like get in the way between her and and uh and edward and like i don't get it yeah and like i think there's a sense where like jacob is like kind of younger than her and definitely younger than edward so it's kind of a bit of that sort of teenage uh impulsiveness and recklessness but yeah it's it's not a good look um I'm now trying to remember because Twilight was the one where they really kind of had, had had me believing like other sort of YA fictions like we'll get to the Hunger Games in a couple years but I never believed that like the Hunger Games love triangle was like an even-handed thing but Twilight was the one where I'm like oh yeah I think they build up both the sides and Jacob's also viable and then like finally watching these films I'm like wait who's actually on team jacob are they okay like it's yeah it's so weird it's like i i get it they're shirtless more but like that's not i guess maybe that is a good reason giving the demo given the demographic of people watching this movie um but it's just like it's like he's <laughs> and not pale. exactly i mean like are you gonna try and accuse the average twilight fan of not having like a cinematic uh analytical lens that is fine-tuned because <laughs> like yeah it's like to its credit i my biggest problem with like the love interest in the first movie and like honestly this isn't even twilight this is like most movies where like i just don't buy it i just like they just they seemed like they i don't like love at first sight i like slow boil ones and like because when there's love at first sight there's always like it's always just taken for granted why they even like each other when like almost none of the scenes are like dedicated to them like having like a regular conversation about anything <laughs> and like every conversation needs to be like this this like really cryptic like lore building this like Christopher Nolan-esque exposition or it's just like pretty empty platitudes of like I love you you're the only one but like nothing ever genuine because that's like that's the kind of vibe I get with like the first movie where like this movie I feel like is a little better like I feel like they actually kind of like each other like I feel like they're actually kind of friends but then it also has that other side of just being like really like a ag- like aggressive oh yeah and like and you know I'll I'll say Edward like also not no making the best choices in this film like just unilaterally deciding that he needs to break up with Bella to protect her um like kind of going off to Italy and not considering the emotional distress he's, like, putting her in, but you still, yeah, at least get the thing where, like, I think this film does do a really good job sort of selling the connection they feel. Like, when yeah. he proposes at the end, it's something where even my sister, who is a big fan, just found that, like, scene where which ends with him dramatically going, 
marry me, Bella, which I guess is not how the book ends. Like, they kind of turn that from the beginning <laughs> of, like, the next one or something. Oh, so it's okay. But, <laughs> uh, this is, I might be wrong on this one, but, like, I remember, but I remember it being a specific thing where, like, my sister just found it, like, really funny, but, like, it's, you get kind of why he's making that choice at the end, even if there is sort of the added drama of they either have to kill her or turn her into a vampire at some vague point in the future. Just Yeah, um, like, and this is also, like, to give the movie a credit, or to give the movie some credit, I think it's kind of, like, interesting. Like, if you look at this movie and you don't look at it like two sort of equally footed love interests, like, uh, like, um, what's it, Jacob, like, making that proposition of, like, no matter, like, if you bite a human, our treaty's off, like, that's kind of neat. I like that. I think it's really petty and like really awful. And like, I think if this movie was a little more aware of those kinds of things, I think that could be really interesting, honestly. Oh yeah, it's you definitely. I think yeah, I get the sense where like, oh yeah, these were written by like books by like an author who maybe abilities as a writer were a bit limited and. Yeah, but. That being said, though, I did have a much more fun time with this movie. Um, I definitely, it definitely felt like the Twilight I always imagined what existed somewhere. Yeah, and I do get listen. Like, I have ta- talked to people who are like, "Oh no, New Moon's like so boring. Nothing happens in it." And it's like, "Oh, nothing happens in it, but at least, but like, it's not boring. Like, it's." It's like interesting stuff she's putting herself into like danger and yeah also um when they're sort of when her and the girl from pitch perfect um are like Anna Kendrick. yeah when they're walking together and she's like going like she's just like doesn't stop talking and they're like talking about the zombie movies and then she's like she says my cousin had leprosy it's not funny that had me in stitches. Like, I, that is such yeah. a funny thing to say. Like, what a hilarious, like, rambling, rambling on sentence. Like, I'm so glad. Like, and, and things like that are like, this movie did not feel like a chore to watch. I felt really, like, I don't think any of the lore stuff connected with me at all. Anytime there was, like, the council with the robes, like, I was I was like, oh, get me back to the shirtless guy ranch, like, and then building the motorcycle, like, um, hopefully, maybe the next couple movies will make me engage with that, because I feel like that's where they're headed, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, the Vulture yeah. <laughs> become, like, a much bigger part of, like, the yeah uh, of sub- subsequent films, yeah, because... Okay, hopefully they're more interesting both. in the later movies. Yeah. Though even the lead guy, like, I think Michael Sheen is giving, like, a fun performance. Oh, yeah. like, the lead Vulture guy, and then, um, it's been a few weeks, we, or, it's been a couple of months since I've seen New Moon. Is, is Dakota, Dakota Fanning's in this one, right? Like, they kind of have her in the back somewhere, or? Um, I think so. Um, I can, oh, yeah. Wikipedia says yeah. yeah, she is. Yeah, she's a, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I think. The cat in the hat's Dakota Fanning. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think that movie has a kiss in it, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, for... God. I think it has. Oh, no. I'll, I'll have to check if it ever got nominated for anything that we... 
cover someday. That might be the last episode as we finally just argue about the cat in the hat. <laughs> it's a, four hours. It is a cinematic masterpiece. It is it is the best Dr. Seuss movie by far. Um, so the kiss in this one's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, the kiss in this one, like the uh, the kiss right at the end, right, with like the camera sweeping shot or like the camera spinning around shot. Is that the one I'm assuming it is? Or did this happen at a later point in the movie or earlier? Um, it's Cause I, I know the kiss. I'm just trying to remember when it happened. Yeah, with like the car. The... Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different kiss. There's a couple kisses in yeah. this one, I think, but. It's probably the end one where they're reuniting. There's yeah, a, I thought I thought it was a couple that one. great kisses. Yeah, this one's got a decent yeah. chunk of kisses. Yeah. Yeah, like the the first one again, so, solid kiss, but you know it's still. Yeah, it's it, a bit of a. It's something they're like getting to know each other. This one, you're like, okay, the chemistry is a bit more there. Mm-hmm, like, absolutely. Yeah, um, and then yeah, this this one has a fun acceptance speech where. Um, I I kind of watched all the Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart ones, and similar to like the first one, they never actually kiss. It's like they get up there and they're like, okay, and at this point they are dating, and like, you you know, they're very animated. Kristen's like, okay, I, I know you want to see us kiss, but the thing is, like, without like kind of the movie magic to gussy it up, like it's just gonna look really bad for everyone, like. And then it's, like, her and Robert Pattinson, like, keep trying to do it, and it's just, and they keep, and they keep on, like, slipping up. Like, there, there's a couple, like, bleeped out, like, F-bombs from, like, Robert Pattinson. Like, it's, and it's really fun, <laughs> funny, and then eventually they're just going to, like, walk off, like, like, or she was ready to walk off having not done it, and then he kind of just swoops in and sneaks a kiss. And they, and the thing comes up that says kiss cam. Like, I don't know if that was something they were doing that year, but like it's pretty funny. Um, though Eclipse is gonna have the best acceptance speech and uh, speech for that one, having because I'm like, oh, I'll just go ahead and watch through them all. And like Eclipse also does a bit, and then Breaking Dawn Part One is just her by herself. Like trying to see because Robert Pattinson wasn't there, so she tries to call up other people to come kiss her. Like it's <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I, man, I'm really glad that I'm being exposed to the Twilight series after so long. I feel like there's like a hidden thing I've been missing out on. You're like Edward in the Sun in Italy with these things <laughs> exposed. <laughs> exactly. Wait, like, oh man, like was it during that scene where like um. Where he's like, is he is he just like going into the sun, like just because he is, or was it like implying that he was like about to die? What was happening in that scene? Oh yeah, I can I can explain this. So it is definitely a suicide attempt. He it because of vampire rules, like they don't die when exposed to sunlight, but it would expose him. And one of their big rules is humans can't know about vampires. So the reason he's kind of gone to Italy is he's going to expose himself, like his plan is he'll expose himself to the humans, and then the Volturi will be forced to kind of just kill him. That's so weird. Oh man, I <laughs> I wasn't ready for like deep vampire lore, but I guess what else would there be? <laughs> yeah. It's... Oh man. I mean, 
they don't really have like a straight up villain in this movie you have to give them something just yeah i guess there's got to be like something moving it a little bit more forward yeah yeah no i don't have much else to say about it i'm really happy that um this movie sort of guy got everything i wanted out of a twilight movie with this one we got big cgi wolves there was no baseball, which that was kind of unfortunate. I think werewolf baseball is an untapped market if I've ever heard of one. Um, there was a nearly deadly paper cut. Yep. Like the... um, my cousin had leprosy. It's not funny. That's a great line. I can't get over that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, no. I'm excited for what more Twilight has to offer. Yeah, and in the meantime, we can probably move move on. I'm not talking about Kristen Stewart. Let's talk about Kristen Stewart in The Runaways. <laughs> which, oh, wow. This is the first of two years where she gets nominated twice, but unlike <laughs> next year, she gets nominated for two different movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Dakota Fanning and Kristen Stewart playing double duty on this uh, on this list. And, and oh, Taylor yeah. Lautner as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah a couple of people popping up all over the place yeah this 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 hollywood the web of hollywood um for runaways first of all um i thought i knew the what's the name of, like the guy like the the, mu- the music producer um either the actor or the character uh michael shannon yeah, michael shannon i was like i know this guy from somewhere where do i know this guy turns out he just kind of sounds like Bill Hader. And that's where my mind was getting like confused about everything. Um, is that his voice just sounds a lot like Bill Hader. So that's who I was thinking of the entire time. So I don't actually know. I mean, he's also in Knives Out. Oh, I do not Did... remember him in that. There's so many characters in Knives Out. Um... <laughs> he, he, he's like one of the... He, he's like the... He's the brother who's not Chris Evans. Uh, like, he has kind of the cane, and okay. his son is, like, the, the like, alt-right kid on his cell phone all the time. Oh, like, yeah, the... yeah, yeah. Definitely yeah, not my he... top ten list of Knives Out characters. He's also the villain in The Shape of Water. Oh, um, I've not seen that, so maybe I'll recognize him there. Ooh. But, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah we... <laughs> that's where my mind went to when I kept on hearing him talk. But, yeah, yeah. Runaways... Um, I think we've got a couple movies like this. I don't know if I've ever explicitly uh, pointed it out, though. I feel like this is a movie, I think it's a good movie, that I just personally didn't vibe with. It just, it didn't, like, scratch that itch for me. And, like, I didn't really get anything out of it, unfortunately. But I can still recognize that it was, like, it was a pretty good movie, honestly. Um, but me personally, I didn't really get anything out of it, honestly. I'll say music bi- biopics, like, often like have pretty similar trajectories and this was this was one of them i maybe would have liked more of a specific focus on the relationship between fanning and stewart rather than let that just be like implied um, yeah i i feel like it's or, it's such a awkward constraint it's such um it's such an awkward constraint that like certain biopics have where like things kind of need to happen a certain way even if it's not the most interesting. I think we talked about it a little bit last week, um, or maybe the week before, whichever week we had milk. Um, <laughs> um, and Yeah, that was last yeah, week. Yeah, and then, like, um, 
unless you're gonna like completely overhaul everything like invincible um it's really hard to make like a good narrative when there's like certain beats you have to hit unless someone like lived a pretty exceptional life yeah it's there's similar stuff i'll say i do like this film a lot of what i enjoy about it is actually yeah the michael shannon like music producer character which is just one of the most electric insane performances like i've seen in one of these scenes like it's, it reminds me of a uh, the... of uh kelly from um which movie is it it's um girl next that's door the one. Yeah, yeah he does have the kind of he energy does. um yeah no like i think this movie just like i don't know i really have no um I have no like way of being like oh it would be it would just be better if it had less of this or more of this. I just it just didn't scratch that itch for me honestly. Yeah, I think yeah, part of it too is because like the Runaways didn't have that long a run as a band, especially since like it's specifically focused on like kind of just Sherry Curry and stuff in and yeah you know obviously there's an interesting thing in that rapid rise and then how it kind of just burns out, but like it's do it feel like a thing where you kind of just are getting kind of just like a, the like. You know, the cliff notes version of it where you're like okay and but you know like scenes like for for example the scene where they write their big song cherry bomb on the spot yeah um, it's one of those yeah. i don't even know if that's accurate to history but just like it's just a really funny weird trope that's like it just kind of makes you groan of like the characters like slowly start humming the thing and then the lyrics are perfect right out the gate it's just like i don't know i i maybe if any of our fans are like band biopic um uh aficionados that might be able to point us to a movie that does like a really good job of like this kind of like songwriting process um please oh i would say this film does it (laughs) like it's it's better than like when you know bohemian rhapsody tries to like show the writing of bohemian rhapsody or whatever like well that's also because they have like michael shannon just like making up lyrics on the spot and just snarling them like yeah it's It's just like i don't know i don't know how true that is to like the actual process i feel like lyrics like change quite a bit throughout it i don't know it's just it's it's always gonna seem like a bit weird and like you can't like devote like 20 minutes of your movie to them slowly writing a song and make it feel pretty natural i feel like that's really hard i feel like you're right in that this movie is better than bohemian rhapsody it's just sort of an unavoidable pitfall of these kinds of movies yeah it is is and like uh, i'll say have you ever seen walk hard like i have not oh man you would love walk hard it's john c Riley, and it's it, it's a specific it's a spoof of like music biopics specifically like this johnny cash one but like it and it just is a real just tear down of them and all the tropes like it has its own like they write a song on the spot and then it and then by the end of the hour it's like the biggest song in america or something <laughs> like that like it's i think my dad's seen there's a movie. joke yeah oh you would you would lo- love it and this film i think does avoid like some some walk hard trap traps at least because the show goes through all all of them um it's i don't want to talk too much about walk hard in our runaways se- segment but like there's like an inciting thing where his 
where where Dewey Cox as John C. Riley's character is like Bob has never forgiven him for like an incident where he got like his kid rubber cut in half because they were like playing with like chainsaws or something or just <laughs> that's it or not chainsaws but like some kind of like saw whatever the equivalent was in like the 50s and they just keep doing the wrong kid died thing like it's <laughs> yeah if it begins like just in the present where like he's getting ready for like something it's present day and then I was like hey we're on it's like oh and someone's like oh hey didn't you know Dewey Cox has to think about his entire life before he can perform just yeah and so again this film like it avoids some of those traps it's but it does feel like they couldn't do do more and you know it's an interesting like I was saying I think the kiss in it is good but and you know maybe they are kind of limited in that there was I think only ever like speculation for what was going on with Joan Jett and like Cherry Curie, but yeah. like it's, but it does yeah, but it does feel like, you know, maybe that's almost too limiting for him. Where like, to just have him do that big kiss and have the rest just be sort of implied or like looks. It's... Yeah, like it doesn't. It definitely makes certain scenes feel a little less impactful because of how like, um how there has to be like such a like non like confirmation of it like it makes like a lot of scenes that could have like a lot more impact just like kind of fall a little bit flat it's one of those movies that just like i can tell i can tell that this like someone else would probably really enjoy this movie like a lot more um there's like not much i could think i could like add to like what could make this a more enjoyable for me because i feel like kind of what it was was kind of the pretty close to like the best you could do of this kind of thing yeah i'll say it is funny because obviously like part of the plot of this film and you know we don't really do the like summaries anymore but a lot of it is on like the just kind of this resentment from the non like chris and stewart members of the band that dakota fanning's getting all the attention and which is ironic because really this film like Dakota Fanning, Kristen Stewart, and, like, Michael Shannon are getting all the attention, and the other characters are just kind of off to the side, which maybe helps it feel, like, a bit less than it could have been. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like by the end of this movie, like, I don't really know anything about, like, the bassist or the drummer, um, or even the fifth person that I don't even remember what they played. Like, yeah, I think that's unfortunate, because they kind of, like, I, I feel like, I guess maybe to take this movie to a different direction. I'm not sure how, like, I guess it wouldn't be as fun if it was, like, a get-the-band-together kind of movie. I guess that's not, not reflective of reality or would even be that interesting. But I feel like fleshing the characters out more before, like, the big breakup would just be much, much better. But I'm not sure what you would cut. You might just have to make it longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, we we want to talk about that kiss more, though. Yeah, is is it? I'm assuming. I think there's there's one kiss at the beginning, but it's not between our two leads. Um, it's sort of like in like a sort of dark with red lights. Sort of. I'm not sure if it's like a club or it's like the back room of some place. Um, yeah, it's like after a performance. Yeah. They do. So like, um, pretty sure it's it's Kirsten Stewart takes a big drag of like a cigarette. And then sort of blows it into Dakota Fanning's mouth, and then they kiss. Um, yeah. I've tried. Good kiss. I have like, oh man, I feel like I haven't ever gotten a straight answer because I am the kiss expert, but I'm not a smoker. 
Um, so like this is like outside of my ring house. The editor's note: the expression is wheelhouse. I don't know why I said ring house, but I do have friends that partake in kissing and smoking, and like I have not been able to get a like consistent answer on whether that's hot or not, um, or whether it's like really cool. Because um, I've heard some people say that like, oh, like that's it's amazing. Like, oh, what a what a what an exhilarating like kind of kiss. And I've heard other people go like, oh, it's so gross. Like, I hate doing that so much. I've not been able to get a straight answer on it. It does not seem like something I would find particularly <laughs> fun, but like, yeah. It's... Well, we know how much you hate kissing and love smoking, <laughs> and you just don't want to share it with anybody. <laughs> yeah. This... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't want the podcast to take a big pro smoking stance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but... We are we are anti smoking. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... um, yeah. But as far as like visually, looks super cool. Like it looks incredibly, mm-hmm. incredibly cool. Like both. Yeah. yeah it... Sorry, go on. Oh, oh yeah. No, it looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. Both in like the also... like the punk like too cool for school sense and in like the this is like really like well shot kind of sense yeah and it's well done well yeah Kristen stewart also really good in this and it's like again it just yeah. makes you mad that like her <laughs> career kind of got stuck in twilight land for so long but like yeah it definitely like gives me a little more like because like ah man i don't i think she does she definitely is a lot better in new moon but like I don't even think she's bad in Twilight. I think just the character itself just, like, does not allow for, like, any amount of interesting things to happen, at least in, like, the first movie. But, like, I'm glad that, like, through this kiss-watching journey, I've been able, like, to go, like, okay, like, she's a really good actor. Like, like the twi- my issues with Twilight are definitely more on, like, the writing and direction than they would be necessarily on the acting given I don't know if I could say the same thing about <laughs> Taylor Lautner's performances. Um, yeah, Lautner he's, is... He uh, was so goofy in New Moon. Um, it was kind of awesome. But, yeah. There is one Taylor Lautner performance I will call good, and it's Grown Ups 2, where he's like just the... <laughs> he's like the leader of the frat oh, boys. Oh, yeah, no, I think um, that's really, really good. I agree with that. And a deer mauls his like groin. <laughs> it's really good. Um, oh man! Spoilers for the end of Grown Ups. Yeah, Street. ooh. Don't want to spoil any. Oh, if, our, if all of our fans haven't seen it yet, given how much we gas it up, I I'm shocked. Um, yeah, this is like the third episode. I think I brought up Grown Ups <laughs> Two as being a good yeah. movie. <laughs> oh, but yeah, um, yeah. I think I've expunged all my thoughts about runaways yeah so we can probably move on then into uh, another film the proposal yeah um i think i have a personal flaw i think i have a character flaw in that i really don't get sick of ryan reynolds i like him um, I know there's a bit of a sentiment going around. Everyone's pretty Ryan Reynolds out, but I am fairly unaffected by it, honestly. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't. I really. I just. Huh. I don't know. I just don't really get sick of actors. I'm trying to think if that's. Wait. I'm trying to test if that's true in my head for a second. No, because I like The Rock. 
I like seeing The Rock and Jumanji. I'll probably love Jungle Cruise when I get a chance to see it. I just, I don't, I can get, I can get like sick of it in like a, in like sort of an ethereal sense where like, oh, it's probably not good for the industry that there are like four or five actors doing everything. Um, but in terms of like a watching a movie sense, I just like it. I don't know. I have a good time with it. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go into the thing where Ryan Reynolds, um, there's stuff I've certainly enjoyed him in. Um, I, Free Guy would be a better movie if he wasn't the lead, but I think he is good in Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which plays up the, the kind of more an, annoying parts of his persona and has him kind of self-aware that people might, that a subsection of the audience would love to just see him get hurt. Um, I think it's Ryan Reynolds, like, this is still in a thing where it's not all around Deadpool, like... I think actors like The Rock, like, you know, they're, they're people I do enjoy seeing in things, but eventually some just kind of build up these personas, and eventually their performances become more about personas, and Ryan Reynolds is this weird, just kind of, like, kind of smug, kind of high-voicey, like, oh, hey, like, like Deadpool all the yeah, time. Yeah, I was about to say that, because, like, almost every character he plays now just is Deadpool, but I feel like in this movie he's playing a little more of, like, quasi straight man to like a little bit of things going on um yeah this is a good reynolds performance part his voice is a little deeper which maybe is part of it like it's but yeah like i think he does like do a good job kind of selling like his character and yeah yeah this movie um i watch these movies i think in the exact opposite order i usually do i think i watched started with avatar and then valentine's day the proposal and then runaways so I watched this one after Valentine's Day, um, which like two rom-coms kind of right back to back is like a bit jarring, but I feel like, and we'll get into it with Valentine's Day, I feel like both these movies have like an interesting enough like gimmick to be like really, really fun. Um, I don't know if I've talked about it before, but um, I think around Christmas... I was going to like the, or it would be Christmas last year. Um, I was going to the gym about every day. Um, and on the treadmill, I would sort of watch these Hallmark Christmas movies. And it's just kind of baffling how none of them have any like gimmick. It's just sort of overworked business lady has to take a vacation to go back to the small town for like Christmas sees the really hot guy has to make some kind of choice and there's like there's no gimmick there's nothing to make that any more interesting than that it's so strange to me in that like um i think there's like a there's like a dan Harmon rant um on youtube where he sort of because he really doesn't like romantic movies just because you could have romance in any movie you could have a movie about anything And then just have there be romance. But having just a movie that's romance is like, why would you do that? Um, And I feel a little bit similarly to that in that, like, I think movies that are like romantic comedies that just are so bare bones are just, there's, I, it would be, if I had to tier list all of like the bare bone movies, it would be at the bottom. Like I can watch like a 
bare bones action movie and still have like a pretty good time but like a bare bones rom-com will oh it'll drive me nuts i agree with that like uh, i think rom-coms yeah can be fun uh this one i'll say definitely like do not like valentine's day day that much but this one i enjoyed but kind of just thought it like it did kind of feel more like a standard rom-com to me like i thought the premise was fun and then they very quickly i don't know maybe i would have just liked like this visit to his family like in alaska to just be like a section of the film and not just the like main focus like yeah them them trying to keep up their ruse in different situations and not just this one specific one yeah um it's um yeah. no that's so, totally fair yeah and maybe i needed it to be a, a bit funnier uh you sent me an alternate ending to this film yeah that's which like well hey better i think it leads yeah it's a lot it's funnier a lot fun. i think it's... it leads to like a worst kiss i'm not sure if that's because like this is like a deleted scene where you can clearly see like green screens in the background um but i feel like the kiss in the actual movie is much better than this kiss but this ending is so much funnier um i guess to give like a little context like the premise of this movie is like sandra bullock is like a canadian um that's like yeah that's like gonna get deported because he has an expired visa so she's gonna marry ryan reynolds to like get it and they have like a really horrible relationship that he's been sort of like her underling for like three years um and like treated pretty poorly um yeah she's a hard-ass book editor who's she, like yeah exactly with, who with no tact but she gets results <laughs> exactly um but yeah but these that sort of behavior sort of lands her in hot water. And then there's like a really, really funny, like federal guy who's like, who's like really determined to like prove that like, it's all a sham. And I'm not sure how that works in real life. But that's really funny. So like they essentially are going away for the weekend. And like the whole like thing is that like you're when you come back, like you're going to have to like answer like a questionnaire to make sure this isn't fake. And that's sort of, like, the setup for, like, the movie. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I maybe would have liked more, yeah, more stuff with, you know, the Mr. Gilbertson, like, Dennis O'Hare character to where, yeah, like, you know, just kind of different tests they'd have to do because it's... Actually, the one thing I learned about the mo- this movie is, while it is similar, um, appar- apparently in real life, if you were to announce that you were intending to go through with a fake wedding... There wouldn't be a twenty-four hours thing. You just get like deported or detained like immediately. <laughs> so, uh, so the like ending of the film might play out a little differently. Um, yeah, but... exactly. Yeah, I think um, I really enjoyed this movie, um, but I think yeah, yeah I think one thing that could make it a little more interesting because um, you think that I don't mind the Alaska setting. Uh, what I think could have made it like a little more interesting is maybe like the federal agent like tags along with them <laughs> and like and like maybe he gets like sort of witness them slowly actually fall in love and maybe he's oh yeah and then cool. maybe he's the one that like turns the plane around because like maybe he sees it even though they think that like they need to like oh like it was all a sham I'm sorry I lied to you and like maybe he he has like a change of heart where he brings her back I think that would have been a much much if I were to have my own third alternative ending that's what mine would be yeah that's 
that's a good thing because like he does sort of show up, show up because yeah Ryan Reynolds like father Craig T Nelson Mister Incredible himself eventually like kind of gets sus- suspicious and like sort of calls him over calls him over but yeah like by the time he shows up again like it's like it is pretty late in the film and you're like oh man I wish he was there like you know let let him play off more. Like, over the end credits, there is a good scene where, like, you finally get these interviews, and he's asking just a bunch of random questions to them, and then other characters in the film, notably Betty White, who plays, like, yeah, who plays kind of Ryan Reynolds' character's grandmother, and then The Office's Oscar Nunez, who has what apparently was originally a one-scene role as, like, this exotic dancer named Ramon, but it was so funny that they just kept writing him into other scenes. <laughs> he does kind of pop up every, every once in a while. That's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, because the idea is, like, they're in this small Alaska town, and, like, despite the fact that, like, it's bustling enough that, like, Ryan Reynolds' character's family has a lot of businesses. Yeah, they're kind of like the, like, like, the, they sort of run, like, a lot of stuff in this small town. Yeah, but, like, you're constantly just bumping into this guy, Ramon, doing, like, many jobs. Like, he's a waiter, he's keeping shop, he's a male stripper, and then he's marrying them at the end? Oh, yeah. Um... The kiss in this movie, I is this the ending kiss or is it the the sort of middle of the movie kiss where they have to kiss in front of everybody, um, at like the dinner? Which one did you? Th- it's possible. Yeah, that's the thing because like the dinner kiss is kind of funny and then it takes a turn because as they point out like towards the end that's the sort of oh is this kind of getting real? But I also think the end kiss is just really romantic and sweet, like you were saying. Like, yeah, it's... I think it's really really nice. I really like it a lot. I think if I had to pick one, I think I'd pick that one over the other one. Because the other one's kind of nice in that it's that first sort of, like, turning point of, like, oh, maybe they actually do kind of like each other. Yeah, it's... And, you know, it could be either of them, but, like, a, I think, yeah, you know, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, like, they have decent chemistry. Like, it, it's Carrie and stuff there, and... Yeah. yeah. I think she does, she's given a good performance, as always. Like, it's... Yeah. Um, there's, like, a scene that I think is racist... Um, with, like, Betty White in, like, a headdress doing, like... Yeah. Yeah, I'm... It's just, like, it's the weirdest part of the movie. They definitely, like... Definitely, like, it kind of quickly turns into, like, a much different kind of joke. Like, in that very same scene, like, pretty quickly. Um, But it's still just, like, really weird and off-putting. In, like, a 2010 movie? Like, I... I'm a little shocked by that, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not as shocked, but, yeah. It's, like, they have Betty White's, like, just... Engaging in, like, shaman imagery and other, like, just kind of... Maybe spiritual stuff from cultures you would not expect, like, Betty White to be associated with, like... Typically, it's... Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, it's definitely probably it's the low point of the movie. <laughs> yeah, this is also like peak where now, like you know, it's Betty White's thing where she pops up and oh, she's the cool old person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Though the bit where she fakes a heart attack 
to like get <laughs> the people to stop arguing is that's really really, really just... good like that that was awesome i thought it was going to be like a really stupid scene where she had an actual heart attack but it ended up being like really good yeah and, and we went even more stuff like that or like the ending where we we, we've talked around it a bit, but yeah, typically the ending of the film is ultimately Sandra Bullock comes clean about the deception because she realizes she is falling for him, and he, yeah, and so he's kind of, like, hurt, and he eventually kind of realizes that, yes, he's in love with her, too. It's, the the women of the family, like, kind of figure it out, I think, before he even does, and then his dad is kind of the last to figure it out. It's like, oh, well, I didn't realize, but... They race to the airport, but it's too late. She's taking off. And in the regular ending, like, because she's been given 24 hours to pack up her life in New York. So in the regular ending, it's, you never see how he gets back. Like, despite the fact that they imply that it's kind of a remote island, he seems to have no problem just catching the next plane. Yeah, you'd think it'd be like a little more complicated than that. I guess there was, like, an implication that, like, maybe a little more time has passed because, like, she has her entire office sort of packed up. Yeah, like, it takes them a bit to get there, but they, but he, like, confesses that, yes, he does, he does in fact, love her, and he realizes that the only reason she would have, like, yeah, confessed is if she sort of was feeling the same way and, way and you know, it's sweet. But in the alternate ending, it's, because he knows the person who, like, runs, like, the tower, he tries to get him to, like, get a message. And then it becomes this kind of farce where there's this flight attendant who's, like, trying to pass along messages. But first the guy, like, doesn't take it seriously and just, like, gives him a thing about how, like, foxy she is and, like, good-looking in. And, like, just... It's this thing that Sandra Bullock later says. It's like, I don't know why we're trying to sound like a super fly pimp, but, like, the... Which also may be a little racist, but, you know, alternate ending, so it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah but there's like confusion the like the immigration agent guy is just like a lot more aggressive and then the flight attendant tases him and detains yeah. him which is like satisfying yeah absolutely and then they like kiss on like the tarmac and it's this flight attendant who's like yeah get it girl like it's oh it's pretty good um, I, yeah, the kiss isn't as yeah, good. Yeah, the kiss isn't like as good, it's... but, like, everything surrounding it is. Yeah, no, um, yeah. I, same with Insomnia. Um, it's another movie that takes place in Alaska that points out that it doesn't get dark. Um, I think in this movie it's a one-off joke, whereas Insomnia plays a slightly different role. I, I am starting to really like Alaska as a setting, you know? I think it's starting to grow on me. Yeah, you're like, some more movies in Alaska. Yeah, imagine it. Or exactly. <laughs> imagine if there was old people in Alaska. That would be a 10 out of 10 movie in the making. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much else to say. I was just going through the Wikipedia page, though, and apparently there's like three Indian remakes of this movie for some reason. And then I had to like double check. I'm like, wait, is this like based off like a book or something? But no, they're just sort of like a remake of this movie um like oh yeah that's so weird um <laughs> i guess people just really liked it i've never heard of it before this but yeah my boss software ganda and then sandakari yeah. like one tamil one kanada and one like 
Malalalam. I'm, I'm sorry to any like Indian listeners yeah. uh, if I just like butchered all of those, but to me, I feel like yeah. I'm right. But... I might watch Software Ganda. That seems really fun. Um, but yeah, no, I the, the poster is just a guy at his. <laughs> That's what I look like right now. <laughs> oh. oh software ganda is a remake of my boss which itself is based on the proposal <laughs> that seems so fun okay yeah <laughs> we're gonna have this to the list of like just extracurricular stuff exactly to watch. if it, if it has a kiss in it indian remakes. yeah if it has a kiss in it then I think this would this would probably fit in the 2015 one because it came out in December of 2014. Um, but whatever is in 2015 kisses, you better watch out if this movie has one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The proposal, um, pretty good. But I think we might disagree on it though. That it was my second favorite rom com on this list because I really liked Valentine's Day. <laughs> Okay, you go first. <laughs> so, like, Valentine's Day is this, like, sporadic kind of mess of, like, 50 different stories. Um, I think I, like, had to start writing them down because there were so many. Um, but I think I can actually remember of it. Remember it. It's essentially Valentine's Day in Los Angeles. Um, one of the opening shots is of, like, um, like a sort of, like, a canal-type, like, river thing like a bunch of houses in it um and i recognized it because that's where like i had like a really intense um gta gta 5 online shootout with a bunch of people um in that like the location that's like based exactly about where that is like with those like structures and stuff so like that could not i then that's where like one of like the best kisses in this movie takes place but it, it ruined the mood entirely for me um but it's sort of just this big web of like quasi sometimes quasi sometimes pretty heavily um interconnected stories of like a bunch of different people on valentine's day it's got george lopez in it in it um sort of like the quote-unquote main character is like um is like a flowist there's a name for that what's the name for that florist Florist. that's (laughs) You were so close. <laughs> but yeah, um, this movie just sort of jumps around so much and it introduces like a million characters. Um, and by the end, I just loved everything about it. Um, I loved sort of the main conflict between the um, the florist and like his best friend who was like seeing someone who was cheating on his husband or her husband. Um, it cuts to like... Um, who who's on the plane with Bradley Cooper? If you remember, Julia yeah, Roberts. Julia Roberts and Bradley Cooper are on like a plane together, and like they don't really get together. Um, they just sort of like have like a nice time with each other, and they just sort of talk and have like a really good time. Sorry, it was Bradley Cooper and who else again? Sorry, I've already forgotten. Julia, Julia Roberts. Roberts. Right. Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. So Julia Roberts is like um, it was like a soldier who was stationed somewhere who's coming home, and like. Bradley Cooper is like um is actually like the um I can't remember who 
Is it like a real athlete or is it a fake athlete they make up? It is a fake athlete they make okay, up. Okay, so it's like a fake athlete um, played by Eric Dane named uh, Sean Jackson. Who like he shows up and he sort of like is just like a football player that's like retiring or like says he's going to retire. He got like kicked off a team. And it like it turns out that him and uh, Bradley Cooper are like partners, and that's revealed right at the end because he like he comes out on national television, um, like as gay, um, and then like um, it's just it's so much goes on in this, but like my favorite is like the old people, of course, because there's like the it's sort of it's very similar to like the to make American quilt type thing. Um, where it's, like, two old people, one person, like, the the grandpa was, like, thought they were pretty faithful, but it turns out the grandma, like, slept with someone else while he was, like, away somewhere on, like, a business trip, and they break up for a little while, and then this, well, <laughs> there's so much that happens, I'm sorry if this segment's so long, um, I'll, I'll cut it to, like, my favorite scenes, because my favorite, favorite scene is, so after the two old couple break up, sort of, te- all this is happening in whatever order you want it to. Um, there's like a guy who's just kind of just a regular guy. There's nothing like, there's no descriptor for him. He just sort of works in like a boardroom who like goes on a date with this girl who turns out this girl is like a phone sex worker and they sort of like go on a date and then he sort of finds out about it and like he sort of freaks out about it. And then him and the old guy, (laughs) and this scene is amazing. Like this scene's beautiful. Him and the old guy are like at like an old movie and it turns out, like, I think the girl in the movie, like, the old-time movie, is actually the grandma from earlier. And then the grandma, like, comes running into this, like, dark, like, sort of foggy, like, movie lawn type thing in, like, a dress. And then, like, him and the grandpa, like, reconciliate. And it's like, I, it's like, when you love someone, you have to love the entirety of them. And this sort of resonates with, like, the pretty bland guy. And then him and the phone sex worker end up together. And, like... The entire movie, there's like 20 other relationships I didn't mention, um, but like so much happens in it. Um, but the kiss is between Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner, who are in the movie for like three scenes. Yeah, that's like a, I mean, I get it in that, like Taylor Swift, this is pretty big, like 20, you know, 2009 is... Of course, the f- we didn't bring this up in our last episode, but of course it's the famous, like, at the MTV Video Music Awards, the counterparts to this, is the famous I'ma Let You Finish thing, where she wins Best Song and Kanye West interrupts her. Her stars, like, yeah. went pretty high. <sighs> Taylor Lautner, of course, like, has New Moon, so, and both of them, I believe, are dating at the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, it is, they're the two worst characters, um, and I guess they're most to be, like, I guess they're, like, kind of symbolic of, like, young love. Like, I guess every, every character in this is supposed to be symbolic of, like, a pretty, like, a common, like, romance trope. There's, like, the little kid who, like, has his, like, first crush, um, there's, like, the old couple, like I mentioned, and then there's, like, 
the two young couple and one of them's moving away very a la high school musical three type deal and then like the woman who hates valentine's day and the smooth operator it's, yeah you got all the time yeah exactly here. like the, yeah the two people that just reject it entirely like um camera who, who are those it's Oh, who is it? It's Jamie Foxx and Jessica Alba. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. The last Jamie Foxx movie I saw was Collateral. That movie's great. Um, oh, man. Collateral's so it's, good. Oh, I wish there was a kiss in it between him and yeah. him and Tom Cruise. <laughs> so I'll say, I do like the old people plot in this. And then, like, the, that that one's good. Like, Hector Elizondo, like, just really good actor. Estelle Harris, I believe, is the other, other one in. And that's, that's also good. And the... The phone uh, one is good too, like Anne Hathaway doing the bits where, because she's also a receptionist, like she works for the agent of the football player as like the receptionist and she moonlights as the phone sex operator, which leads to a good bit in the end where, where like Queen Latifah, who is the agent, like just takes one of her clients because like the line was there in and like gets into it's it. So like, it's so good. Like this movie, I don't know. I feel like it sort of parallels with like i think runaway is like a good movie that i didn't really vibe with i think this is like a pretty mediocre to bad movie that i vibed with incredibly um i don't know what okay, it is so you're acknowledging it's like not a not it's a like movie, not a good movie yeah it's like it. it's so sporadic <laughs> it's like it's got it's got so many like weird conflicting stuff like barely the main quote-unquote like couple main characters are like they're not i they might even be worse than taylor and taylor just because at least taylor and taylor aren't on there very long there's like a couple of like weird like kind of silly like melodramatic scenes that aren't super necessary um it's but it's i don't know what it will i think it is like 50 rom-coms in one and i feel like that's what makes it work for me have you ever seen love actually i have not seen love actually love actually is the british version of this there's less stories and it's at a christmas time and like it's 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 not a perfect film but i think love actually is like kind of the better version of this and there are definitely reviews of this where people were like oh it it's really just Gary Marshall trying to make love actually for like America and except less gracefully. Like it's... Yeah, maybe I'll give it a shot. But like, I think a huge part of the charm for this movie for me was that there was so much going on and there were so many characters and I was just kind of interested to see how they all interconnect, inter- interconnected. Like how many, well, I'm trying to think there are either two or three twists because there's two twists. Um, I guess yeah. There's there's three if you count the um, the fake football player being gay, um, but that sort of melds with like the hit Bradley Cooper is actually like his partner twist, and then like um, it was Jessica, Jessica Alba on the no wait on the plane. I don't know why I keep on forgetting their name. Julia Julia I am Roberts, so sorry. who I, turns out as is the the daughter of or like, the mother of the um, of like the kid with the crush. Um, yeah, well, the kid with the crush is, like, the grandson oh, of, like, yeah. the old people. And then, like, the... So she's related yeah. to them, too. I, yeah, I really... I don't know. It, it was kind of stupid and pretty meaningless, honestly, but it was just kind of nice. I don't know. I liked seeing how everyone connected by the end. Okay, yeah, this film... I don't know. Yeah, it's... 
just kind of like a lot of it was just empty to me. Um, there was interesting th things for it. Uh, something, uh, something you'll pick up on is Eric Dane and it, the football the football player, of course, at the time was like best was currently on Grey's Anatomy with Patrick Dempsey, where they play friends. Patrick Dempsey's also in this. They never interact, but like they're there. <laughs> Topher Grace, who is like the, yeah, he is dating Anne Hathaway, and and Ashton Kutcher, who is like Jennifer Garner's ultimate love interest in this film, again, played close friends on that 70s show for years and years. Like, the, they never interact, but they're there. Emma Roberts, who plays like one of the high school kids who's like, boyfriend, like, trying to compose a song, song for her, and it's caught like naked by her mother or something there. Emma Roberts is the niece of Julia Roberts, and then there's, oh yeah, Jennifer Garner and Bradley Cooper were both on Alias together back in the day, where again, their characters were friends, and usually love interests. So it's funny that, it, it just seemed to be like they went out to people who were like, hey, do you got a friend with you who could like also be in this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, it's like, I think this is a bad movie that I really like. That's the best way. I can oh, the girl who hates Valentine's Day is Jessica Biel, not Jessica That's Alba. The one. Jessica Alba was Ashton Kutcher's girlfriend who breaks up with him. Oh, like yeah, there's so many. There's too much going on. <laughs> yeah, which again makes it kind of weird that the kiss is because Taylor Lautner and Taylor Swift. The idea is they're friends with Emma Roberts' character, and like they're. It's there's a high school kids like in puppy dog love, and there's a point where like, they're do the news is doing like a story on like, young love or something. It's I don't know why they're on the news, but they're just making out in front of the cameras. Yeah, it's like, it's so weird. It is like it's worse than like the ending kiss between like the two main people. It's worse than the old people kiss. It's the weakest kiss in this whole movie. I don't get it. Yeah, and then, don't they also kiss again on, like, the elevator? Yeah, like, they also have another kiss in the elevator, and that's even better, honestly. Yeah, it's... I mean, maybe it was the elevator kiss, who knows, but, like, it is... Yeah, it's... I get it. It's like, they're, they're like, two big superstars. Yeah, it's gonna get in the votes, but it's like... You could have done better, MTV, with this nomination. Like, it's... Maybe they just wanted to make it up to Taylor so she'd come back to their award shows. Yeah. Like the... <laughs> yeah. Maybe they felt bad that, um... Wait, did, um... Maybe they thought Kanye would storm the stage again <laughs> if she won. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, but Kristen Stewart had the best kiss of all time. <laughs> with who? I don't know. Just... <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> that that was not a Kanye impression. That was just I. Yeah, I'm oh, not man. gonna try and do a Kanye impression. I just oh. like <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. Just so like. Funny. <laughs> oh man. Also, it was nice to hear the Taylor Swift song "Today Was a Fairy Tale," which is like a cute little song that plays over like a lot of the end. Yeah, it's like. I I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I, I can't... 
I can't understate that, I guess. That, like, this movie is frantic. I don't think anybody else would enjoy it if they just kind of, like, watched it. But, like, I don't know. It was just fun trying to keep track of everything. <laughs> it led yeah. to a very... I guess I'm glad you enjoyed this film <laughs> and had a good time. I it. absolutely did. Yeah. But... It's not the worst film we've ever covered for this no, podcast. I will give it yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't have much else to say about it, though. Yeah. Um, well, in that case, then we can move to Avatar. Yeah. Um. Man. It's just... I'm trying to think. This movie is, like, pretty interesting and pretty good. Um, But it feels like it's kind of weird because oh it's like the best way to describe this um i think the villains really suck um because like they're not they're not like complicated enough to be like compelling and aside from like a couple scenes with the general they aren't like cartoonish enough to be funny they sort of just end in this like weird like sort of middle ground where like there's uh, it's just really weird because it just it feels like I don't know I always feel really weird with when movies have just like really poorly written villains um I don't know especially movies that like um that are very like like this movie is very clearly like about things like it's not a meaningless movie you know um yeah it's like about i think it's about like colonialism it's about environment um it's definitely about these things but like it's just kind of i don't i don't know it's just kind of upsetting when like the villains can't be like compelling like they have to be cartoonish like you're that insecure about your ideas that like you can't put them against anything challenging i guess um and I'm totally fine with that. But if you're going to go that route, then you got to make them like really fun. I think the general is really fun. Um, I think the, I can't remember the name, but he's in My Name is Earl. Um, the name of the one actor who's like the, the big business guy. Oh, G- Giovanni Ribas. Yeah, he's also in, um, what is it, Gangster Gangster Squad. He's super, he's like, he's just kind of like boring. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the general is good. He's like a, pretty fun character it's yeah the the villains are not the juice for this one um well i'll be interested to see where they go to if we you know in the eventual avatar sequels that have been in the works for years and years yeah i wonder where they're gonna go because like i yeah i'm i'm interested to see them as well i wonder where the what's gonna happen in them (laughs) because it's been so long and it feels like um feels like there's not it feels like there's not much place to go i feel like whatever they do is going to be completely like out of the like out of the um out of the i don't know it's very yeah it is oh sorry sorry. yeah you get all these hints like apparently sigourney weaver whose character dies is still going to be involved as is like the stephen lang who plays like the general and Vin Diesel, like, everyone is pretty sure he's in at least one of them, because he's definitely just 
There's been pictures of him hanging around on set. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm in them. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, but it's like, yeah, I'm just really, like, because, like, it's very rare um, in movies or in a lot of media where, like, sequels are pretty obviously set up because it's, like, really risky. Um, I think recently I was playing through all of the the PS2 God of Wars, and I was super shocked that like two essentially like God of War two essentially doesn't finish. It just sort of has like a to be continued, and then it number three like takes up right after that, um, and that's just I I'm just really because like I feel like that's really risky to do, and you can only do that when like you're there's such a solid plan. Like, I feel like back to the future is another really good example where like those endings are so there's no ambiguity about it. They're setting up a sequel. Like they're immediately heading into what the next adventure is going to be. But like with avatar, it could just end and there could be no more movies and that would be fine. I mean, the back to the future sequel wasn't initially planned. Like initially they're like, which is why in the second one, they have to come up with a reason for why his girlfriend isn't around. Because they're like, well, oh. she can't be hanging out with him in the future. That doesn't make sense. I thought, like, I thought that th- that was like one of the first movies that had like that map planned out. I Maybe my maybe my father yeah. told me a lie. <laughs> no, no, it's it's like a weird thing where like the, the thing with Back to the Future is they had a sequel and they knew they wanted to get him to like old West times. And then I forget if... That was always sort of like, okay, we'll plan two sequels, and then the second one will get get us to Old West. Or if it was just originally one movie that was so long, they're like, we'll just split it into two. But yeah, like, oh man, me and my friends have talked about um, how Back to the Future would be like, because three is kind of weak. It's a little bit of a weaker one. Um, but it would be so much better if it was if the the order was one, three, then two. I feel like that would be a much more interesting because like it's just weird um yeah. yeah i mean not to just go all on to the back to the future things in our avatar segment but i actually like prefer three over two because two is like a just the stuff in the future like they never come up with a good reason for why they went to the future in the first place like i feel you could just be in with two with well we're back from the future here's some other like time travel thing that comes up now because like his actual plan doesn't really make sense and then it's hard for me to latch on to anything where three at least has like just the interesting stuff because it's like doc brown going oh time time travel's bad am i like i shouldn't have spent my life on this like it's yeah has that kind of story yeah i yeah i just think the setting and like this the the intensity of two is just a little more amped up, whereas like three is a little more chill. And I feel like it would be a better like it would be a better middle story than finale. Also, wait, if you thought the Match of the Future stuff was planned, so so you're like, oh yeah, the first film we think Marty's perfect, then the second film we reveal he has a fatal flaw. If someone calls him a chicken, he sees red. <laughs> like, <God>. Oh, <laughs> it's just oh. the stupidest twist to put in. They're like. Marty needs something to do. Oh, I don't know. Like he hates it when people call us and call him chicken. Like it's. <laughs> oh man. But Avatar. Yeah, Avatar. <laughs> it's like very interesting visually. Um, it's yeah, it looks yeah. Beautiful. All of the creatures um, are super cool to look at. Um, this is. I remember when this came out in theaters when I was like, I was almost seventeen, and I remember just being kind of like. 
for whatever reason, I wasn't that interested in it. And my friends were like, oh, yeah, this is good. But, you know, you always see it on the big screen. It's, like, built for that. And me being, like, a kind of time, I'm like, well, if it's going to be bad, if unless I watch it in theaters, then it, clearly it's not a good movie. And then I watch it on TV. I'm like, oh, no, this is good. But I would have actually liked to have seen this on a big screen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, so that kind of backfired on me where I'm like, I'll never see it because it's going to be bad like if it's not in theaters. But yeah. yeah, it looks beautiful. Um, I have a friend who insists that it looks like just PS3 quote level graphics. I'm like, no, it's better than that, I would say. I don't but, know. Certain PS3 games, I could give it that. Um, well, he's yeah. not saying it as a kind Oh, he's saying it kind of meaning. Um... Oh, yeah, I guess it's, like, a derogatory. But, like, I think high-end PS3 games came close. Because uh, there actually was an Avatar game for the PS3. Um, and it didn't look bad. It didn't even look bad. Um, I don't think it looked like the movie, but, like, it looked pretty good. Were you, like, playing that instead of watching the movie? You're like, man, this is the most interactive <laughs> movie I've ever had. <laughs> I was shocked how good that game was, though. Like, I don't know why they went so hard on it. Like, it's it was actually, like, insanely fun. I'll say, it's it's funny that Zoe Saldana, I mean, everyone said this when she got casting Guardians, but it's funny where two of her, like, bigger film roles just have her playing, like, and when she's a blue person, and then in another she's a green person? <laughs> What's next? Be interested, because Sam Worthington is also someone who I think just kind of got caught up in these films, because definitely seemed like one of those actors who people just kept pushing on him and just like you said when you're like sometimes white guys look the same same it's like you know just i'll say he is kind of like a bit generic yeah i think he's good in this like everyone's favorite hero jake sully (laughs) also like oh man i definitely um sorry that the avatar section is full of so many side tangents that aren't avatar um but i had like a weird i had some wires crossed in my brain because I thought this movie did like did like the reveal that he's in a wheelchair. Um, cause it, but I was thinking of something completely different. Um, there's a game called Surge, where like the first cutscene, you're sort of like it's like third person, so you're like behind your guy's head, and then you're like watching like the cutscene, like he's on a train, and then it's like oh, move the analog stick to move, and then when you do, it's re- you move forward, and he's in a wheelchair. I got that compl- I got my wires crossed completely with that in this movie, and it bugged the hell out of me for like a couple of days because I was trying to figure out what did I remember that from. So, so you thought it was going to be a twist, <laughs> and then he shows up in a yeah, wheelchair, I, like, no, what are you doing? I thought there was going to be. I thought there was at least like a little bit of like a fake out where like you see him like on the train and you assume he's sitting, but then the door opens and it real and it's like a little bit of like a ooh, a little bit of intrigue. Uh, but no, I was completely mis mis. Uh, misremembering that. Oh my gosh, he's also he's also like Mason from all the Call of Duty games. I did not. That's like the only thing I know about Call of Duty. Call of Duty as a recurring pr- protagonist. Yeah, and the only reason I know it is just because like there's like a quote where it's like the numbers, Mason. Tell me the numbers, and that's just sort of like really funny. But I, I, well, Avatar is just the the king of making you go on tangents, isn't it? I think we're we're getting some stuff in. Oh yeah, oh wow, three Call of Duty Black Ops games, huh? You know what's what's there to say? The there's humans. It's, it's 
kind of similar to like yeah kind of a dancing with wolves type thing of him living with the indigenous people of the planet N- navi and there's some intrigue there oh yeah yeah Just... also um this podcast uh, did you ever watch the youtube channel um this is how it should have ended um i've seen a few did they do one they for did that? one for this and I remember watching it, and it gaslit me a little bit, because it made me think that at no point did Jake Sully, like, actually, like, do what he was supposed to do and, like, talk to the people. Because, like, that's the whole joke of the video, is that he didn't do it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But it turns out he totally did. He totally does in this movie. Um, he absolutely does, like, talk to them about, like, hey, like, like, people are gonna, like, come and do these things if you don't move. Like, he absolutely did it. They just, like, they just were, they had, like, a, they have, like, a connection to the tree and they're not moving, pretty much. But, like, I think because there's no scene where he does it directly, they thought he didn't. But there's definitely, like, a scene where he's talking to the general and he's like, yeah, they're not gonna budge. Like, that tree means so much to them, pretty much. So that's... What I remember about how it should have ended is there was like a Lord of the Rings thing where they're like, well, they should have just taken the eagles from the beginning. Then I mentioned it to my dad and he went on and he's like, no, no, they had to earn the eagles and just like talk to like five minutes. And I'm like, I haven't seen this movie. I don't know. It was just like an internet video. Yeah. Um, I hear that meme a lot too. I think that is like an actual like, but like um, an actual plot hole with Lord of the Rings. I've heard people talk about that. Um but this one, this one was actually just wrong on their part. There is absolutely there. I don't think, I don't think there's any plot holes in this movie that are like blatant. Um, I think it's like pretty, it's pretty tight, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Here's what I wanted to bring on. I think as we move into the kiss portion, do we count this as an interspecies kiss? That's so tough. He is technically a because. Eventually, he turns into, like, an actual, like, Na'vi person. Like, he takes on his Avatar body. But he is kind of like a human in an Avatar suit, kissing like an alien. That's so really tough. That's really tough. Um, oh my gosh. Are you your body or are you your mind? And when you're kissing, are you your body or are you your mind? That's so tough. I would say that it is not. Um, because it is... It is Navi lips touching Navi lips. I feel like that is where we kind of have to make the distinction. Um, I think, oh, so I think it's an interspecies relationship because a relationship is more about the mind, but a kiss is very is is by its own nature very physical. I would say it is a regular old kiss in an interspecies relationship, at least until the end. Okay, yeah, I can buy into that. Also, I realized when watching, since technically, as another part, I think one of the few things people remember about Avatar is they're like, oh, isn't sex when they, like, lock their hair together? So, really, this also is, like, a big sex scene that yeah. also has a kiss in it. <laughs> I, remember, I, I remember we watched this movie for, like, 10th grade um, English, and I remember they're like, okay, what does, like, the hair, like, represent? And, like, I think I remember I said, like, I think I said something, like, I was, like, it's kind of, like, has, like, a sexual connotation. 
don't know if I used that word, but I, I remember I was very like conservative in my language. I wasn't trying to be inappropriate. And the teacher got so mad at me. Like I was trying to make like a joke, but like, and then like, I was like, I, I felt really stupid and I was like, oh, I guess it's not, I guess I'm just dumb, but it so clearly is. It's so clearly, yeah, of course, there's so there's an element to it that's that. Like, eh. It seems funny where you're like, oh, wow, it's, I guess you can get away with a lot when it's like alien. So I do appreciate that they don't just do that, oh, alien anatomy is exactly the same as like human anatomy. Like, Yeah, and like, I think this movie does like a good chunk of like world building where it's like, there's like reasons why certain Navi speak English. It's pretty, pretty good. I think like the only... And maybe this is just for the time, and I think it's maybe because, like, the discussions around these things have been, like, a lot more complicated. And also, I'm, like, a little bit older. But, like, the um, the sort of commentary it has is, like, pretty shallow, I guess. Um, and, like, not super, like, I guess, how do I don't even want to say nuanced, because there is nuances to it. But I feel like my one, yeah, my one sort of critique of it would be, like, it's just not that, it's not that deep. But I guess maybe it's not trying to be that deep maybe maybe it's saving the deepness for the future installments maybe that's why it's been taking so long and maybe not because james cameron also <laughs> is just like inventing whatever the next 20 years of special effects are gonna be with <laughs> yeah this. exactly yeah i guess yeah he's like i gotta focus in on what the story is <laughs> exactly now. like I, like because i was watching it i was like brainstorming like maybe like something that could be interesting is that like because it's like it's pretty like it's like the villain is like it's cartoonishly evil but like maybe there could be like a conflict where like hey like what if there are like people suffering on earth that this mineral could help and then there's a it's a little more complicated and so there's a little more intrigue and there's like there's not a good guy and a bad guy there's just sort of like a messed up situation you could still make them like the bad guy they could still like not go about things appropriately but i feel like just like i feel like there's like I feel like the best stories are when, like, and this is so, like, cliched. I think everyone's ever has existed, like, has thought this or said this. But, like, when, like, you can kind of understand the villain a little bit. Um, you don't agree with them, but you sort of, like, okay, this, they're they're being, like, pretty logical in this sense. Or, like, their their motivations make sense. Where, like, the bad guys in these mm-hmm. ones are, are the most, like, the, the most caricatures they could ever be. Look, Unobtainian doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> it grows under trees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got our episode title for that. Oh one. yeah. Just. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I guess one of the things that uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get a smidgen political, because um, like I know we we both live in Canada and like something that comes up um, a lot about is like the pipelines um, that sort of go through um, First Nations people's lands. And, like, there there could sort of be, like... And, like, I know, you know, Avatar, like, of course, this is clearly not what Avatar is about. Um, but, like, I've, I've heard, like, interesting, like, debates between these two things where, like, both sides sort of have, like, their reasoning. Where it's, like, where it's, like, you can't just, you know, infringe on the sovereignty of, like, a certain group. But, like, also, like... Um, it's quarter like messed up that like what if like this could create like a lot of jobs for people and like also like you're robbing people of like a certain 
opportunity by not doing this? Could the pipe just go around this place? And it's just, it's always a little more interesting and a little more complicated than like, well, we want the pipeline because we're evil and we don't like you. <laughs> you know? Which, like, this movie, I feel like, kind of does a little yeah. bit. Well, to be clear, this podcast is yeah. not pro-pipeline. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I think it's it's really silly. Yeah, it's, it's a nuanced discussion. <laughs> I, like, come on. Come on, folks. There's yeah, other yeah, stuff. And, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I was just using that as, like, a parallel. That, like, it's not impossible to, like, show both sides of it in, like, a, it, at the very least, a fair light. Um, I think they're clearly, like, I, I clearly, like, would disagree with, like, the, the villain's, like, perspective. But it's, like, a little nicer when it's, like, it's an actual disagreement and not just, like, a sort of turn your brain off. Like, you don't even need to think about it sort of, um, sort of conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we can agree with that. Um, but, yeah, I think that should take us to the end of Avatar for now. Um. Yeah. Um... I think we want to get into our movie rankings. So I think um, at the bottom of mine, it's really tough. I would probably have to put just um, Runaways. I think this was a really good year with a lot of good movies. Uh, But this one just unfortunately is just like the least um, fun for me. I guess that's what it really comes down to is that this one was like the least fun. Um... And, like, I don't mean, like, fun and, like, like, everything needs to be happy, but, like, fun is in, like, I have, like, a really good time. And, like, I can have a really good time with upsetting things. Um, I think above that, um, oh, this is really tough. I would probably put the proposal. And then above that, I would put, who? I'd put Avatar. And at the very, very top, I would put valentine's day just slightly getting beat up by twilight i think twilight was like a lot more fun this time around wow redemption story for twilight there um also it's i mean i'll i'll cut into mine but yeah i definitely have valentine's day at the bottom um was you know it's i'm I'm glad you got to mount a stirring defense of valentine's day like i'm i'm happy you enjoyed that film um it it's bad it's just don't know what else to say with that but hey you, you liked it right then uh, then above that we got the proposal like it's uh, again i just would have liked maybe a bit more comedy in this romantic comedy or though you know it's charming and gets the job done i like the relationship then above that um runaways you know it's slight but I cannot undersell how good, like, the kind of Michael Shannon performance is as the agent. It it really does, like, elevate that movie a huge degree. Fanny and Stewart also good. But, yeah, definitely watch The Runaways for, like, the male agent and not the female protagonist. No way that sounds bad, but, uh, whatever. But, and then Avatar, and, yeah, Twilight Saga, New Moon at the top, like, yeah pleasant surprise like it's this is again it's not even like that week a year for movies it's just like you know the twilight this is what i would consider like i think the platonic ideal of what a twilight movie should be um but how did the kissing do oh the kissing all right this is uh 
a very weird year for the kisses in relation to movies because at the very bottom is the valentine's day kiss um it's like it's played for last but it's not really that funny um i don't I can't really make a distinction of... I don't know if Taylor Swift can act, but I don't think she did a very good job in this movie. Like, it was serviceable, but, like, it very much felt like a singer acting. Um, I think above that um, uh, kiss, I would put the proposal kiss. It's uh, it's a pretty good one. Um, yeah, there's not much else to say about this. These top... The middle three are very, very close. Um, I think above that one, I would have the Twilight one. Um, and then above that one, I would have the avatar one. The setting is sort of beautiful. Um, the kiss is like pretty good and like the surroundings are really nice. And then right above that is the runaway kiss. I think it visually looks the very, very coolest. Um, so yeah, my, my sort of my kisses and my movies have, uh, have like very, have like polar opposite, like first and last place placement. Well, that's fun. Like it's, that's, yeah, that's really fun. I like that. Um. Yeah, Valentine's Day at the bottom. Taylor Swift, I think, can can act occasionally in doses. She has a cameo on New Girl, like, in the second season. That's really funny, and um, I think she's great in Cats. I'm singing her big McCafferty song. But, yeah, here it's... She's still very early on in her career, and... Lautner, uh, good. Then above, then above that, yeah, have the proposal. Yeah, it's a good kiss. It's solid. Um, and then above that, I have like the Runaways one, and then Avatar is my two. And yeah, this will be the year where I uphold Twilight as having the best kiss that year. So, I guess I, either way, no matter how you cut it, whether you agree with me or Ben, Kristen Stewart kind of wins out this year. Like it's. Yeah, uh, 2010. We have we have entered um, the previous decade. I was going to say the current one, but I forgot what year it was. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the third decade yeah. of the MTV Movie Awards. Um, an intro. We've entered a new a new figurative millennium. The IP is coming. The big franchises aren't going to stop, but we'll see a few stabs at like them trying to capture some of that '90s weirdness. Will they succeed? Um, well, I mean, probably not. Like, it's... We'll see what happens with these awards next year, but, um... I don't want to say it's all downhill from here. We'll, we'll we have fun ahead, but, like, it's... It's definitely can tell, like, the kinds of movies we'll be reviewing are gonna get a bit more samey. Um, I think it's time for our recommendation of the week. Maybe I'll start this time, switch it up a bit. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, of uh, several weeks from now, we'll start talking about Riverdale, and I'll go like all, all deaf into how crazy Riverdale has gotten since everyone kind of abandoned it, except me and, well, surely others. But at this point, I'm the only person I know who still watches it every week. Um, and, um. Riverdale's gotten insane. Like, my recommendation isn't that one watches Riverdale. If anything, just read summaries of stuff that happens. Wait, no, I am about to recommend an episode. Um, once a season, since the second season, Riverdale likes to do musical episodes. 
Now, in the early seasons, this was in them actually putting on a musical. So season two does, like, carry the musical, and season three is, like, hovers. And then season four, it's a talent show episode where they all do Hedwig and the Angry Inch songs. And then this season, what they decided to do was something more classic, where the musical they're adapting was Next to Normal, which I don't know if you've heard of Next to Normal, Ben. It's kind of like... I think I've heard a couple of the songs. Yeah, it's... It's a musical I liked a lot in high school. Um, I'm not sure how well it's aged, but it's essentially about this family that's kind of been gr- grieving over like the the death of the son and the mother who has kind of through the play gets diagnosed with bipolar disorder, sees hallucinations of this son. It, it's kind of supposed to be a twist that he's dead, but it's also like pretty early on. So, but it's the stuff about like mental health and like electroshock therapy plays into a degree and like reaving and all this stuff and Riverdale took these songs and in their film where like they recently killed off like the sister like Betty's sister a spoiler for Riverdale and they do an episode where Betty's mother is suddenly kind of going off the deep end a bit and imagining all her children are there and having that life and then Betty's like yeah she's like she's been listening to this next to normal soundtrack a lot and that's just their excuse. And then they do a bunch of next to normal stuff, but they recontextualize many of the lyrics to just fit into Riverdale. And it's... So my recommendation to get in is either watch this episode, listen to listen to the next to normal soundtrack, or like look up scenes from it on YouTube. You can find a lot of off-Broadway cast or Broadway performances of it. And then look up the corresponding Riverdale songs. Um, it has... That's not good, but it's fascinating to me. Like, it's... For example, there is a song in Next to Normal called Didn't I See This Movie? Where the mother is, like, resisting electroshock therapy and singing about how this is, like, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. And in Riverdale, that becomes Cheryl Blossom singing about the exorcist for different related reasons. Like, they literally just rewrite huge swaths of the lyrics. And then... (laughs) <laughs> the romantic song Hey 3 slash Perfect For You reprise, which is where the daughter of the mother, like, you know, is reuniting with her boyfriend, but also is concerned that maybe she'll go crazy, you know, crazy too one day. Turns into a thing where Pop Tate's granddaughter is worried she'll become like her snobby parents and like look, look down like that. In. And it's like her singing to Jughead, who Cole Sprouse is fine actor, not great singing voice and um, it ends with them all singing the climatic final song about how there's going to be light at a graveyard, and it's almost every major character on the show, and I've just been obsessed with this. Like, it's... So, yeah. Compare Next to Normal and Riverdale is my recommendation this week. Um, what do you got, Ben? <laughs> I like the recommendation. Um, so... If you're uh, out there listening to our podcast and you are a uh, ska fan, so you like Real Big Fish and other bands, I assume, um, you should give these guys called The Third Rates uh, a try. I really like all their songs. Um, They have one album out right now. Can't remember what it's called, but it's good. Um, They're on Spotify or anywhere you listen to music, probably. Uh, They're called The Third Rates, and they're a ska band. I'm not sure what that means. I only know Real Big Fish, but I like them as well. So if you like Real Big Fish, you'll uh, you'll like these guys. Oh, cool. All right, and when do you have to plug this week? 
I have to plug my Instagram, which is not two pens. That is N O T underscore two underscore P E N S, as well as my Twitter uh, at Fut Albi. That is F U T underscore A L B E E. And that is my plugs. Cool. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Like a Wolverine. Um, did I have something else to plug? No, I, I never have anything else to plug. Um, but, but hey, um, thanks for listening to the show. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. You can email us at pastagoldenpopcorn at gmail.com. Um, Matt Samar did our artwork. We should have him on soon. I don't know what he'll talk about, but we'll have him on soon. Um, no, he didn't do the artwork. He did the theme song. Ben did the artwork. Oh, no. Wow, come on. Matt did our theme song. Ben did our artwork. Yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, let us know if you like the show. I like when people tell me that they like the show. Um, and... Yeah, I guess all that's left to do is tell you what's coming up in 2011. So, for Best Kiss 2011, um, a year that has five nominees but only four movies in a fun situation, the nominees are Elliot Page and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Inception, Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows, Part 1. Kristen Stewart and Taylor Lautner, The Twilight Saga, Eclipse. Natalie Portman and Myla Kunis, Black Swan. And Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, the winners for The Twilight Saga, Eclipse. So. It's so, yeah, it's so weird because I've seen like 80% or maybe 70% of Inception, and I have not gotten to the kiss yet. You've never seen Inception all the way through? <laughs> no, I, I turned it on like a couple um, couple of weeks ago with a friend, but we got like halfway through and it was already like 11, so we just decided to cut it then. And then I watched Family Guy. Inception, one of my favorite movies from that year. Black Swan actually is my favorite film from that year. Um, not, not to get too much like spoilers there, yeah. but like it's been an interesting <laughs> year, and I'm... Very excited for you to learn what the context for the Harry Potter kiss is. It's you're. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> you're going to freak out when you find out what it is. <laughs> oh man! And in terms of Inception, I'll never forgive it for uh, clearly ripping off Doctor Strange. Pretty shameless, if you ask me. Yes. Um. Um, <laughs> but hey, that's our podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, and yeah. You know, just remember, um, one of the supposed titles for the Avatar sequels is is called the Tolkien Rider. What's a Tolkien? Who knows? (laughs) Uh, The other working title would have been Avatar. Oh, that's actually. I think Avatar Two is going to be the Weight of Water. There's also one called the Seed Bearer. There's going to be a big, um, not Megalodon. There's like a name for like generic big underwater thing. Leviathan? I think the Leviathan could be anywhere though. Also, we made a big deal about this being October and the, then we talked about the Valentine's Day movie. Probably could have done more with that. 
Hey, man, there's nothing scarier than commitment. Amen to that, brother. Goodbye, everyone. Uh, bye. Yo, Taylor. I, I'm really happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish. The old people kissing Valentine's Day was so much better.